Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm associate producer Sarah Hetrick. The Blooming Out crew is still on their live program hiatus, but would like to continue in a series of episodes featuring LGBTQ nonprofit groups that have appeared on the show in the past year. As we come to the close of 2016, we not only encourage you to donate to these groups, but would like to encourage you to donate to your listener-supported radio, WFHB, to further support awareness through programs like Blooming Out. You can donate by going to our website, wfhb.org. Although we are re-airing this interview, please listen for our updated featured music and a replay of our popular segment, Open Doors. From all of us at Blooming Out, we wish you a happy new year and we'll return next week with a live show. Now, we take you to this interview with Blooming Out anchors Ryan Shaddy and Skylar Keller and their interview with the president of Freedom Indiana, Chris Paulson. But first, we have Freedom Indiana President Chris Paulson joining us. Thank you for being here, Chris. Thanks for having me. Hey, Chris, it's great to have you on today. We have a lot to talk about, uh, not only with what the work that you are doing with Freedom Indiana, uh, but also what's been going on in the State House this week, including uh, Senate Bill 100 and uh, Senate Bill 344. Uh, so we'll get to it. Uh, I'm first going to get to talking about these Senate bills and what they've been uh, what they've been um, uh, trying to pass through the State House and what actually got through the Senate committee uh, last evening. Uh, Chris, tell us a little bit about Senate Bill 100 and also Senate Bill 344. Um, Senate Bill 100 was a uh, bill that would offer protections to the LGBT community. Um, it had some religious carve-outs, um, but was a good starting place, we thought. Um, unfortunately, it um, did not pass out of committee. Um, what did pass out of committee la- late last night was Senate Bill 344, which does not include the transgender community. So it would offer protections to the gay, lesbian, and bisexual uh, Hoosiers, but none to the transgender community. And we've discussed uh, just adding four words and a comma to uh, Indiana's non-discrimination code. Um, but the, the senators and, and the representatives in the state house they refuse to do this. Why do you think that they refuse to just add those four words and a comma to uh, Indiana law? I think they're trying to strike a balance between uh, religious liberties and um, full protections for LGBT Hoosiers. We think that uh, the religious liberties that Indiana already affords are sufficient. Um, They've worked for years with the classes that are already protected and actually are some of the strongest in our nation. So we feel that uh, all we need to do is add four words and a comma. But I understand their tough stance to try to uh, balance what they see are two competing interests. Uh, Michael Cork, an Indianapolis attorney, said the protections are unnecessary and said both Senate Bill 344, which pr- passed out of committee, and the somewhat similar Senate Bill 100, as we've both discussed, were bills in search of discrimination. And he was quoted as saying, the LGBT lobby is not a, di- a disadvantaged minority. Why do you think that some people may believe the LGBT lobby is not at a disadvantage? 
I can't believe anyone who's done research would make a statement like that. We know there's cases of discrimination that happen every day in you know, cities all around Indianapolis. Um, so we know that that's not true, and we have cases that show it's not true. So, um, you know, that's obviously someone who has not done research because we we know that it happens every day. And this is an attorney talking, so I can imagine what doctors already think and what uh, maybe the, the bakery up north might think. Uh, discrimination happens all the time. And here these people think that uh, we are in search of discrimination. Uh, what can we do to dispel uh, those myths? Um, well, if you listen to the actual facts, um, you know, those myths are dispelled. Those are people who don't want to listen to facts. They would rather talk their rhetoric to try to convince lawmakers otherwise. But we're presenting the facts and showing the cases of discrimination and having people testify about how they have been discriminated against and businesses talking about you know how they want to attract the best people and they can't do that if discrimination is legal in indiana so tell us a little bit um about what uh you have done uh, in in uh as as a as a citizen of the state um and in freedom indiana uh to fight against this uh these bills um we've built a statewide coalition that um is bringing together constituents from every part of the state um transgender people who have lost jobs who have lost housing who are denied a public accommodation um white gay males who have been fired from their job for no reason other than they're gay um you know we have stories of discrimination from everywhere to show that this is real, and we're taking those to lawmakers and setting up meetings with lawmakers so they, the lawmakers actually know that this does happen. Talk a little bit about uh, what's coming out of the State House with, with some of these bills. Uh, transgender rights is something that they have not been, they have not been uh, taking really uh, into consideration on anything. No, they haven't, especially in Senate Bill 344. Um, they are sending um, basically a group of people, transgender people, to a summer study committee. You know, I don't know that a summer committee has ever studied a group of people. Um, summer committees are for, you know, things like roads and gambling and alcohol, things like that. We study issues. We don't study people. So um, we need to realize that these are everyday Hoosiers, and they need equal rights just like everyone else in the state has. So do you think that there's a reason that transgendered um, rights are being so um, not getting pushed forward, they're not making like any forward motion? From what we've heard from the lawmakers, they haven't had a lot of contact with transgender people that they know of. Um, okay. But the thing is, they have. They just don't know that the people that they have had contact with are transgender. So, um, you know, Studies show that there's about 24,000 transgender Hoosiers. A large percentage of those are veterans. So these people who have fought for us, some of them died for our freedoms, and we need to give them the same rights that everyone else has. And there was a transgender veteran giving testimony on the the, uh, House floor, the Senate floor yesterday too, correct? Yes, we actually had uh, three transgender veterans that were there to testify. Unfortunately, not all our testimony was heard. Um, we had 11 people there that were not allowed to testify last night. 
including people from Lily and Cummins, along with um, moms of transgender people, and those. Uh, so we had four transgender people there, three of them which were veterans that did not get to testify. Micah Clark, who is the executive director of the American Family Association of Indiana, pointed to record requests from the cities of Bloomington and Indianapolis as proof uh, that these bills were not needed, saying that they showed few substantial complaints to the city's human rights commissions of discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. What in the what these folks don't realize is that the small towns and even to some extent the larger towns, uh, they don't have these protections and um, people aren't going to necessarily stand up and say, hey, I'm at a disadvantage here uh, when when their rights are violated. Um, Because first off, there isn't any protections for them as is. uh, And going even further in depth, uh, when they make a complaint, th- those th- those complaints are falling on deaf deaf, e- deaf ears. So, uh, talk a little bit about why Micah Clark uh, says that there are few substantial complaints in the cities that already have these ordinances on file. First of all, I don't know that there's few substantial complaints, um, but even if there's one complaint, that says we need a law. And like you said, people don't file the complaints because they're afraid of retribution. If you've already been fired once and you file a complaint, chances are you're going to be fired again. So why would anyone willingly go and subject themselves to that again? You know, we need protections throughout the state. And only, you know, a handful of cities have those protections. The vast majority of the state does not. So those people don't even have a chance to register their complaint. What do you think needs to happen in order for this to become not just um, a f- certain few small cities in, in Indiana so that everyone can have these rights? We need statewide protections, and we need full statewide protections that cover lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Hoosiers. So are we thinking, when, when we're thinking back to, again, what... Uh, Micah Clark said, and and saying that there are a few substantial complaints. You know, people won't stand up for themselves because, as as we mentioned, uh, there isn't any uh, any laws on the books. What would it take for? Uh, what would it take, uh, or, or what would happen if we actually were to add uh, those four words and a comma into uh, Indiana code? I think it would make people a lot more comfortable, one, to live here, two, to move here, um, which we need smart, bright people moving here to grow our economy, and three, to visit here. Um, I have friends that are uneasy about visiting Indiana because if we drive outside Indianapolis, they're not covered. Sure. Sure. Kurt Smith, president of the Indiana Family Institute, added uh, that the bills would be a dramatic erosion of religious liberty. Smith said his organization opposes any elevation of rights for the LGBT community. These people just are wanting a way to discriminate against LGBT individuals, aren't they? Yeah, that's what they're looking for. And um, pretty much if you read between the lines, that's what they're saying. Um, We're not asking to be elevated. We're asking to be equally protected, just like their religion is protected in the civil rights law. We're asking for gender identity and sexual orientation to be protected. 
So in terms of states, how does Indiana compare um, to the rights given to LGBTQ plus um, people? Um, there's uh, 19 states that have uh, protections for the LGBT community. So we're right about in the middle. Um, there's other states right now having this discussion. So hopefully here this year there'll be more than 19. But um, we're definitely not a, a forerunner in adding civil protections for LGBT people. You know, it's it's these small-minded people who LGBT Hoosiers actually need protected from. Is it safe to say that Smith and Clark fear that uh, their rights are being trampled on? And if so, what can we do to alleviate the fears of those who aren't so narrow-minded but may need some more convincing that their own liberties are not being stepped on? I think it's just education. Um, as more people get to know gay and transgender Hoosiers, they learn that not someone to be afraid of but it's someone to welcome in and show you know they're they're good citizens they're uh, productive citizens and they add to um, whatever community they're in is there anything that uh we want to add in in the fight uh what, what can people do to get involved in fighting against the discrimination that that uh that is occurring um, the biggest thing right now is to reach out to your lawmaker, let them know that you you support full protections. Um, you know, call them, email them, ask for a meeting. Um, another thing is write letters. Handwritten letters are so important. Um, we're also running phone banks um, seven or five nights a week now. Um, reach out to constituents and ask them to call their lawmaker to let them know. So we want the lawmakers to hear from the people. We know that 72% of Hoosiers think that full protections are important. So we want that vast majority to let their lawmaker know that, too. Are those, um, what polls were ran to get those numbers? Uh, That poll was um, completed by Christine Matthews. She's one of the top Republican pollsters. Um, She's out of uh, the East Coast, so it's not a local poll. It's uh, someone without a dog in the fight, basically, um, and she's a Republican pollster. Great. Okay, thank you, Chris. We'll be back with you in just a short few minutes. Thanks. This week, we lost a pop superstar and humanitarian in the passing of George Michael. In 2006, Michael joined the talented Mary J. Blige in a duet of the beautiful Stevie Wonder song, As, from Wikipedia. The song As is a song written and performed by Stevie Wonder from his 1976 album, Songs in the Key of Life. The song implies that the love the singer has for the object of his love will never diminish by saying he will love until the physically impossible becomes true. The impossible feats include rainbows burning the stars out in the sky, oceans covering the tops of every mountain, dolphins flying and parrots living at sea, dreaming of life and life becoming a dream, day becoming night, and vice versa. Trees and the seas flying away, eight times eight times eight equaling four, this day becoming the next day. The earth turning left to right, the earth denying itself, Mother Nature saying her work is through, and until the day that you and me and I am you. One interpretation is that this is a lover singing to their mate. Another interpretation is the song is about the endless, unconditional love the Judeo-Christian God has for the listener and the singer's part in that. A third interpretation is that it's about the singer's unconditional love for humanity. The verse that begins with, We all know that sometimes life's hates and troubles 
would seem to preclude the first interpretation and that the second interpretation would seem to preclude by the lyric. As today I know I'm living but tomorrow could make me the past but that I mustn't fear. The song gets its name from the very first word of the song, which is repeated many times throughout. Here is George Michael and Mary J. Blige with As.
You're listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. We're back with Freedom Indiana President Chris Paulson. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your involvement in the Freedom Indiana and how did you get started with this? Um, I actually started as uh, president of uh, Indiana Quality Action um, when we founded Freedom Indiana. Indiana Equality Action was one of the founding partners of uh, Freedom Indiana for the uh, marriage amendment fight in 2012. Um, so I started on a as a member of the board of directors of Freedom Indiana, um, and then uh, agreed about in the middle of last year to uh, come back on board as campaign manager to uh, run this fight for non-discrimination rights. And could you tell us exactly what Freedom Indiana is? We are a uh, nonpartisan group um, that activates our grassroots base of about 65,000 people um, to fight for LGBT issues. And for our listeners, um, how would you be able to get involved with uh, Freedom Indiana? Um, You can go to freedomindiana.org, and there's uh, information there. There's a uh, tab where you can volunteer, um, and you can see what's happening in your area. Chris, the fight for uh, LGBT rights isn't over. Why should members want to get involved, or why should listeners want to get involved with organizations such as uh, Freedom Indiana? Um, The only way we win um, rights for all LGBT people is to activate and work as a team and let our lawmakers know that that's what we want to do. It can't be the voice of the same five or ten people. It's got to be a group of, right now, we're at about 65,000 people on our mailing list. Now, the bigger we can make that number, the more powerful we become. Exactly, and especially when you have the House Speaker saying uh, today about the bill that that went into Senate for consideration, uh, that he has yet to talk to someone who thinks the bill is a good I- who thinks the bill is a good idea, uh, with just a couple of few exceptions. We definitely need people out and about on the, on the on the ground and, and fighting for LGBT rights in the state. Right. We need to let lawmakers know that it's not all right to discriminate. A little discrimination is not all right. So we need full protections, and our lawmakers need to hear that from the people that vote for them. What are other ways for people to get involved? What volunteer opportunities might you have at Freedom Indiana? Uh, what, are, uh, what are some positions that might need filled? Um, we run uh, different phone banks in different areas. We had one in uh, Bloomington last night, matter of fact. Um, we will schedule more as people become interested um, in that area. We um, do letter-writing parties. We have uh, field organizers throughout the state that um, are willing to come to a group of people if they want to be active and uh, you know, do an activity where they're located. You know, we, we, we talk about how conventions have left the state and how people are, are maybe nervous to visit Indiana. What do you think that is, uh, what do you think um, is driving people? I just read a report that Visit Indy says that it's been a record year for Indy tourism. Why are people still coming to the state uh, and still feeling comfortable coming to the state? I think you'll see that people are coming to Indianapolis, um, not Indiana. Um, but in Visit Indy last week said they lost $16 million right. in convention business. That's a lot of money to lose um, because we're seen as unwelcoming. So, yes, it was a record year for them, and that's great. We want 
we want the state to keep moving forward. And we know by adding these protections, the state will move forward faster and we won't lose $60 million again next year. What do you think or what do you hope to see in the future? And do you have like a timeline that you would like this to happen? We would like full protections to pass um, the legislature this year. The session ends on March 14th. So our hope is by midnight on March 14th, we have full protections for LGBT Hoosiers. And when you say full protection, can you just elaborate on that a little bit for us? We want, um, we want the bill to include protections for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. We won't leave out the transgender people as some lawmakers have suggested we should. And I think that's a, definitely a noble fight. Why, uh, you know, and, and lawmakers have been going into this even deeper on the transgender issue and, and writing bills that are going to discriminate against transgender people uh, even more by taking away uh, gender-neutral bathrooms. So w- what do you think uh, is in their heads and in their minds when they, uh, when they think of a transgender person? They're just uneducated, and we're working as fast and as hard as we can right now to educate them that there are transgender people that live in their districts and that they deal with on a weekly or daily basis. They just don't know it. So we're introducing those people to them to show that, you know, these are everyday Hoosiers and they don't deserve to be cut out of the rights. No, they definitely don't, but I'm not 100% convinced that these lawmakers care too much, uh, except in... um, making what's due to uh, do with with their uh, lobbyist? Um, I would agree. I would think that the law, the lawmakers are on a steep learning curve right now. Um, we've talked to some Republican lawmakers who are very thoughtful and who are interested in learning. A number of them have reached out to me saying, please set up a meeting with transgender people and myself so I can meet these people and understand what they face and the discrimination that they face and the issues that they face. So I know the lawmakers are looking to learn and trying to do the right thing to move Indiana forward. When lawmakers or when I guess people in general say that they don't want um, transgendered or even gay or bisexuals to have the same rights, do you think that it's a lack of knowledge of knowing like that these are actually people and they really, you know, they they breathe air, they have, you know, everything? Or do you think that it's something, like, do you think that they use religion basically as, like, a cushion, as a just an excuse to not, like, allow rights for everyone? I think it's probably, um, probably a split. I would think more people are uneducated rather than bigoted. Um, so I think, you know, we can, we can help there. We can help educate people and show that they're everyday Hoosiers. Uh, you know, these the transgender people are everyday Hoosiers, and I think the lawmakers are very open to that. Most of them are very open to that and are looking to learn and make a thoughtful decision. Right. That's, I mean, we we all hope that in, in time everyone will have basic human rights and they will all be the same. Uh, do, so you don't think, do you think this has anything to do with, like, a generation gap? I mean, I'm in college right now, and when I look at or know someone who's, gay, bisexual, or transgender. To me, it's nothing. They're a person. They're a human. They're anyone. But maybe somebody who was born 50, 60 years ago kind of, you know, has a different thought or input on this. Do you think it has something to do with generation? I I think it definitely does. Um, You know, there's more people now who are out and open about 
being gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender. Um, so as more people learn that their peers fall into one of those groups, like you said, they see that they're everyday people. So maybe not so many older people are out and open about it, so the older generation doesn't see their peers in that group. So I think it's definitely, you know, it's easier with the younger group, um, and it becomes a little more difficult with the uh, older generation. Chris, is this an all-or-nothing campaign? Is is that how Freedom Indiana is approaching uh, what they're going after right now? Yeah, we want full protections for everyone with no religious carve-outs. And what happens Later. if that's not what comes out of the state house? Say that again, please. And if, if that, what happens if that's not what comes... Let's rephrase this <laughs> one more time. <laughs> and what happens if that's not what comes out of the state house? Uh, Freedom Indiana will not support anything that does not give full protection. What will Freedom Indiana continue to do uh, and continue to fight for uh, if if only partial protections are uh, granted? We will continue to fight until there are full protections. Um, we're hoping that's this session. Um, if not, we will continue to fight next session. It's uh, something that we believe in that we all need to get protections together, not piecemeal. So we will continue to fight for full protections. And you say that, um, when you say full protection, what does that include? I know you said it's for um, transgendered, bisexual, gay, lesbian. Is that just being able to go into a store and having the right and freedom to not be kicked out or to purchase products? It's uh, full protections would be um, in housing, employment and public accommodation and public accommodation is anywhere you are when you're not at school home or work so riding the bus going to a restaurant um that's that's public accommodation you know it's basic rights that a a straight individual would have uh whether it's renting a house or renting a renting a an apartment or going into a store or any of the other rights uh that currently an LGBT individual can be uh, discriminated against. But if you even, you know, if you go into it even further and think that there are people out there who still think that this is a non-issue and we've, we've discussed this already before in the show, but um, we've got to continue changing those minds. And what is the best way to do this, Chris? Um, Just having everyday conversations, um, you know, LGBT people letting other people know that it is an issue and that we don't have rights and that we can be fired or denied housing or denied uh, public accommodation. A lot of people don't know that. Um, the polls showed that almost 70% of people think it's already illegal to fire someone in Indiana for being gay. So, But those people you know, who are delusioned to think... That. Sorry, Chris. Um, those people who are, who are delusioned and who think that uh, this discrimination doesn't exist... Uh, you know, you know that Micah Clark and Kurt Smith know that discrimination exists. What? Oh, definitely. What are we going to do uh, to continue fighting those people? All you can do is fight with the truth, and that's what we'll keep highlighting: the truth that discrimination exists and that it shouldn't, and we need to protect people from it. Do you think that um, transgendered people have almost an obligation? Um, to talk more about being transgendered, to let uh, people in their community know that they are transgendered in order to just get uh, the information and the news out that they're people, you know, they're your neighbors, they're your teachers? 
I would say anyone who's comfortable stepping forward, it definitely helps. There's a lot of brave people who came out to testify yesterday in the Senate hearing. But that also puts them at risk um, of losing a job or losing a house or being denied service when they step out in the public eye. So I say anyone who feels comfortable doing that, it would be great if they could. We don't want anyone to put themselves at risk right, um, right. by doing that, though. Chris, tell us one more time how to get involved, uh, how to contact you, and uh, what our listeners can do uh, to help ensure that Indiana continues uh, on this march forward. Um, go to freedomindiana.org, and everything there, that you, everything that you need to contact us is there. Awesome, Chris. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks. I appreciate it. And now it's time for some LGBTQ plus headlines. This headline comes from the HuffPost Queer Voices. New York subway station features gay couple and groundbreaking mural. New York subway art is about to get a little more inclusive. When the city's long-awaited 2nd Avenue subway line opens New Year's Day, commuters will get a first look at a, at a series of life-size mural portraits adoring the new 72nd Street station, including a depiction of two married gay men holding hands. Artist Vic Muniz told the Associated Press that he opted to include New York married couple Thor Stockman and Patrick Kellogg in his Perfect Strangers mural project because, quote, they are just people you would expect to see, unquote, riding the subway. You would expect to see men holding hands, the artist who divides his time between the U.S. and Brazil said. Kellogg said he and Stockman posed for the photograph on which their Perfect Strangers mural is based while meeting up with a friend who was working with Muniz three years ago in Brooklyn. Earlier this year, they learned that their image would be among those that the artist had selected for replication in the subway station project. Although the news felt like winning the lottery, Stockman said the men were asked to keep it under wraps until specifics of the installations were made public by the Metropolitan Transit Authority, or MTA, earlier this month. The couple is particularly proud of their participation in the project, which is believed to be New York's first permanent non-political LGBTQ piece of public art because they see themselves as the type of same-sex couple not normally represented in popular culture. Our friends were even happier that this is gay representation that is not incredibly beautiful and skinny, Kellogg told the AP. Among those to praise the Second Avenue subway works was New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who called it the largest public art installation in the state's history. Public works projects are not just about function. They're an expression of who we are and what we believe, Cuomo, who will take the 2nd Avenue subway's inaugural ride on New Year's Eve, said. Any child who has never walked into a museum or an art gallery can walk the streets of New York and be exposed to art and education simply by being a New Yorker. That's where we all came from, and that's what makes New York special. It is believed to be the city's first permanent non-political LGBTQ piece of public art. This story also comes from HuffPost Queer Voices. The headline reads, Mike Pence's new neighborhood gets plastered with trust women signs. Vice President-elect Mike Pence recently rented a home in D.C.'s Chevy Chase neighborhood. Soon after he moved in, residents of the area began hanging rainbow flags in his neighborhood in solidarity with the LGBTQ community. Now the neighborhood has embraced another symbol of quiet resistance by putting... This neighborhood trusts women signs supplied by reproductive rights organization NARAL Pro-Choice America. The signs target Mike Pence's decidedly anti-abortion, anti-woman record. 
During his time in elected office, Pence had led the charge to defund Planned Parenthood, voted against both the Paycheck Fairness Act and the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, and signed a bill in Indiana that required abortion providers to bury or cremate fetal tissue. NARAL spokesperson Doug Gordon told the Huffington Post that the organization intentionally focused their canvassing campaign on Pence's neighborhood, knowing that a majority of Chevy Chase residents opposed much of the legislative agenda of the incoming administration. Just 4% of D.C. residents voted for Donald Trump in the presidential election. NARAL wants to send a clear message to the upcoming administration that if they go forward with their agenda of stripping women with their fundamental rights, that they should expect to fight all over the country and even in their own front lawn, Gordon told Huffington Post. According to Gordon, dozens of Pence's neighbors requested signs. Indie pop duo Tegan and Sarah have launched the Tegan and Sarah Foundation, an organization that will, quote, fight for economic justice, health, and representation for LGBTQ girls and women, unquote. The sisters began work on the foundation this fall while touring in support of their album Love You to Death. In addition to performing every night, the duo spent a great deal of time on the road listening and learning from queer fans, activists, lawmakers, and nonprofit leaders about how their foundation could do the most good for the community. Quote, We learned that the lack of federal funding for LGBTQ services, limited training for doctors about the needs of their LGBTQ patients, and severe workplace discrimination are disproportionately affecting women, they wrote. Most importantly, we learned that LGBTQ women and girls are feeling overwhelmingly rejected and left behind. We started the foundation to dismantle the systems of inequity that prevent LGBTQ girls and women from reaching their full potential. The statement concluded, together we can make a difference. From their album Heartthrob, here is Tegan and Sarah with Closer. All I want to get is a little bit closer. All I want to know is, can you come a little closer? Here comes a friend.
Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar, and more information can be found on their Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Everyone participates in coming out stories as a listener or speaker, no matter what your orientation. And we're introducing this new series to take a closer listen to some of these stories. Each week, Open Doors will bring one coming out story from our community. This is Mark Tagan. Hi, I'm Mark Tag. I am 19, a freshman at Indiana University, studying business. My convoluted and extremely long coming out story. Um, so in middle school, on my birthday, actually, my parents decided to tell me they were separated. So that was awesome. Um, I actually went to therapy for how to deal with the stress of having separated and divorced parents. When my mom moved houses, we moved into a house on the other side of our town. Um, and for me, the safest place in that house was always the garage. So me and my mom had groceries one day and we were driving home and we got into our garage and she popped the trunk and I was, um, and I'm like, mom, I have to tell you something. Um, she's like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, I think I'm bisexual. And so that sparked like a half hour conversation of us actually sitting in the car, in the garage with the garage door closed, um, talking about how I feel that way. Am I sure I feel that way? So at that point she offered the option of, do you think um, it'd be worth it for me to go to a therapist to sort of discuss the feelings. And it's not aversion therapy or conversion therapy or anything to the effect of it. It was just talking about, um, do I think, do I know I'm bisexual? Um, and so on and so forth. So I went to that and talked about two main things. Um, the first being, am I sure I'm bisexual? And the second being, am I ever going to decide to come out to my dad? And I very adamantly told her, no, there's no way I'm going to come out to my dad. Um, we set the goal of Christmas for me to come out to my dad. Um, well, Christmas came along, Christmas passed. Dad still didn't know. Sophomore year in high school, me and a close friend, she was one of my best friends, we were getting into our car. I don't know how it happened, but for some reason, I'd put the key in, but I didn't turn the car on. So I put it in park, and I was expecting it to drive, but the engine still wasn't on. So we were freaking out for like 20 minutes. Um, and so we finally determined it, and I was called stupid, I think, in a couple other names. But... Um, as we were driving out, I'm like, I think I have something to tell you. She's like, yeah, what's up? At that point, I think I, I believe I told her that I was bisexual. And she's like, okay, cool. We sort of figured that out because I'd been really close friends with her. Um, by junior year, I just stopped really caring about what others thought um, in terms of sexuality. So at that point, I was very much so open about it to all of my friends. Um, senior year came along. I graduated early. Um, between junior year and senior year, um, I was in a few relationships, um, never really open about relationships with other people. So when I got admitted to IU in my profile on IU's little Facebook social media app, I explicitly put, I'm gay. So I want to say between like December and February, I found my current roommate, Noah. Again, one of the first questions I always ask is, if you're rooming with me, are you okay with my sexuality? He's like, yeah. So that happened. And then me and my mom were actually coming out for red carpet day, which would have been the first time I met Noah in person. And we're driving down to Bloomington and I'm like, so mom, um, haven't really talked to you about this in forever, but because you're going to meet Noah and Noah's mom and because they might ask you questions, I'm gay. Um, so we just talking through it and she's like, okay, I sort of suspected, um, that. And at this time, I had still not told my dad or really any of my family anything else. 
Um, but I was always a little bit hesitant about telling my dad only because he's a much more, he's harder to read. So mom comes down to Bloomington, meet Noah, everything's fine. Um, and of course, even though I tell my mom I'm gay at that time, Noah and his family doesn't ask a single thing about it. So I'm like, okay, still glad to get this off my chest though. Then at the end of May, so my step mom and my stepbrother were doing a through hike of the Appalachian Trail. So they were out of the house. So it was really only in that house, my dad um, and my two stepsisters. And at the end of May, I decided that at some point, you know, I should tell my dad it's healthy. I should probably do this before I go to IU so I don't have to have this weight on my shoulders for the next four years of my career. I sit him down and he's opening the mail and I'm like, Dad, I have something to tell you. He's like, yes. I'm like, well, for starters, how are your emotions feeling right now? Um, he's like, I'm good. Why? I'm like, just wanting to get a base on your emotions. I always do that with my dad, though, because he's since it's hard to read, I'd much rather him verbalize than me try to assume based off his face. And he, he's making no eye contact, and I'm making no eye contact as we're sitting across from the uh, kitchen table. And I'm like, um, Dad, I think I'm gay. And ironically, he asked almost the exact same questions as my mom did. How do you know? Are you sure? And that's not much of a surprise to me. Like, lovely. So I've been hiding the secret, and I didn't tell him this bit, but I'm like, lovely, I've been hiding the secret from you for the past four to six years of my life, and you've suspected it, but yeah, I think that is my scattered and rather difficult and untraditional coming out story. That was Mark Tag. This piece was reported and produced by IU student David Crossman. David co-produces Open Doors with Taylor Hurt, Matt Peterson, and Storm Dayhuff. This series was born from an audio journalism class at Indiana University. Alexandra Billings, a star of the Golden Globe and Emmy Award-winning series Transparent and also a professor at California State University, Long Beach, discovered a hateful scrawl in the women's restroom of her workplace last Thursday. Quote, a tranny teaches here, unquote. Billings informed the chair of the theater arts department. A day later, more graffiti appeared. Heart-shaped post-it notes that covered the walls of the restrooms, halls, dressing rooms, and office doors throughout the four-story building. Outside, encircling the facility on the sidewalk, students had written messages in chalk. Be kind. Find the stranger next to you and do better for him. Humans teach here. Humans love here. Humans live here. The transgender actress recounted the story Sunday at a 90s-themed holiday cabaret organized by the IAMA Theatre Company in Los Angeles in an introduction to her mashup of Radiohead's Creep and Cabaret's I Don't Care Much. Billings recounted the story in order to illustrate that even in dark and uncertain times when hate crimes against vulnerable communities have spiked, there is hope. She's quoted as saying, I believe that we have great hope because I teach this generation. Billings told the audience at the Rockwell table and stage, adding, they understand like no other generation before what peaceful revolution is like, unquote. From her album, Being Alive, here is Alexandra Billings with her rendition of the Styx classic, Come Sail Away. I set an open course for the virgin sea Cause I've gotta be free 
face a life that's ahead of me. On board, I'm the captain. So climb aboard. We'll search for tomorrow and every shore, and we'll try best as we can to carry
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blooming Out. If you are interested in volunteering with the show, please contact volunteer at wfhb.org. If you would like to add your event to our weekly event calendar, please email us at bloomingout at wfhb.org. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. From anchor Jeff Poling, producer and anchor Ryan Shaddy, and myself, board engineer and associate producer Sarah Hetrick, thank you for listening and please have a happy and safe new year. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.